episode of it's real serious uh with me today i have my boy roy red he's an author speaker mental performance coach and ted talk alum roy what's going on my brother what's the deal man thank you thank you for having me of course man you already know the deal man so let's go ahead and hop into this man what made you want to get into writing books Man, I got lucky, honestly. Um, you know, like a lot of people have jumped into personal development. I fucked up my life. Um, was broke, depressed, embarrassed. Uh, was homeless for a little bit. And at that time, I just got ghost, started working on myself. And I was blessed to meet a mentor. His name was JT. And JT was like just asking me and ask me all these questions and I was like bro like why are you asking me these questions why are you bothering me and then he was like and that's why my company did two billion last year I'm like whoa 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 what <laughs> like yeah <laughs> what's going on and then he invited me to the seminar and at the seminar he was a speaker he talked about how he was made fun of he had a lisp he was a terrible speaker but he just worked on it and built his brand and when he was speaking I was like man like that's what I want to do and then from there he's just giving me his business plan and show me exactly what to do how to reach out and I was like man I want to write a book I want to speak but I couldn't write a book because I wasn't successful you know so I was broke so I was like all right I gotta make six figures before I can write a book <laughs> like I don't even know where I made up that number or where I got that number from I was like whatever I'm gonna figure out how to make six figures I started this small CPR business, teaching CPR to medical professionals because, you know, I was in the medical field. Yeah, yeah. Brought the income up to six figures and was like, yo, wrote a book. And from there, just been attracting people, places, and things leading towards my goal, which is to inspire and instruct a billion people, bro. So you had a mentor early uh, on. Yep. I think JT. That's- yeah, I think that's one of the main things for you. Mm-hmm. You had a mentor that somebody inspired you. Mm-hmm. That's good. And like he just taught me um, how personal development was bullshit. Like a lot of people do praying and spiritual and reading, but it doesn't bring no measurable results. And he showed me how to make things measurable, how to make my goals measurable. And like now, the process he taught me, I just go through the process and I can achieve anything. Like it's literally cheating. I go through a four step process and I can achieve anything. And that's why I know I'm a hit and can hit all my goals. And that's definitely the right mindset to have. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people want to write books, but they don't know where to start. They don't know who to go to. So for you, Mm -hmm. I know you've written a lot of books. How long does it take for you to come up with a deal and then complete the book? So for me, I, I'm actually a real lazy dude and I only move when I'm inspired. And so I just be chilling and then I'll get an idea, get inspiration and a title will pop in my head and I'll write the book in a day. I'll sit down for 
18 hours and just write it or two days where I'll go on 12 hour terrors of writing and then maybe sleep, wake up, go straight to writing. Cause I want that inspiration. I want that feeling, that desire to stay in me. And you know, a book is just an essay with a cover on it. All you really need for a book is a title, a cover. You write the book and then you can self-publish it or get a publisher to publish it, depending on whatever your goals is for the book. And then my mentor showed me how to guarantee my book to be a bestseller. And so I just use the Amazon algorithm against itself and turned into a bestseller. And people started to see my book. And that's how I started working with like NBA athletes, regular people, celebrities, and just helping them with their mindsets, mental problems, whatever that is. And you said that you could, you know, write a a book in one day, yeah. uh, even coming down to the point of pulling the all night. I think the last time I pulled an all night, it was grad night in high school. <laughs> so <laughs> uh-huh. I, I admire that, that you could, you know, stay up all night. How do you, how do you keep the energy up? Like, do you have, uh, let's say, uh, do you have day goals? Do you mm-hmm. have month, monthly goals or how do you go about that? So like my boy Byron Grimm from the credit comeback says, um, when you're, you don't get tired when you're inspired. Bars. And so, what I've learned is uh, my goal process literally motivates me as it inspires me. You know, if you don't have inspiration or energy, it's simply because you don't have the the electricity. And electricity comes from comparing where you are to where you want to be. And so literally my daily, monthly, yearly, 10-year, quarterly goals are all broken down into what I call a VOTA process. And the VOTA process stands for vision, obstacles, transformation, and action. And what happens is we can create a vision. We all are good at that. But we have to make that vision measurable and tangible. How much, how many, or we need to put a date on it, right? And after it's measurable and tangible, then our brain will give us all this shit that's in the way. And those are the obstacles. Most people, when they see the obstacles, they look at it as negativity and they just want to stop or they go, I don't have this. And the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is unsuccessful people see obstacles and they stop and successful people go, oh, I don't have that. Okay, I'm going to get it. Oh, I don't know how to do that. Okay, I'm going to learn. And here's the key going into the transformation part. Turning your obstacles into what you want is what success is. So putting your obstacles on your calendar and transforming those into the action needed and turning those obstacles into what you want, once you do that, you're successful, period. And turning obstacles and really their opportunities into transforming those things like a magician is the key to creating. Indeed. Now, I know that you mentioned that, um, you know, there's, I wouldn't say there's only two ways you can go about publishing, mm-hmm. but um, once you are done with your product, what's, what's priority for you? How do you go about self-publishing or getting mm-hmm. them out to a company? Mm-hmm. So you, any of us could reach out to a big publisher. Um, you want to make a list of those publishers and reach out to them on LinkedIn and just say, hey, I got this idea, I got this book. But what I noticed was when I reached out to big publishers, they want to know what your audience is already. And if you have a big audience, then they're like, okay, then we'll publish you. But I'm like, okay, I have an audience, but 
if you're only going to publish me for my audience, I might as well self-publish and keep all the bread, right? Of course, yeah. So what I did was I was just like, you know, I'm a self-publish. And you can do that through uh, either lulu.com, ingramspark.com, or straight through Amazon. I like Ingram Spark because I have an LLC and I can publish my own book with my LLC and keep all the money, all the bread. And Ingram publish it through Amazon, through libraries, through Barnes and Nobles, through everywhere. And I keep the spread. I can do an audio book. I can do all of that stuff. And you just um, go to Ingram. It's like making a, a Facebook page. You load in your cover. Um, you load in your file and your book design, and then boom, it's published right away, and they'll send you proof copies. And this is the first time I'm hearing about that, so that's why I'm glad that you came on here because I'm only familiar with the Amazon. That's what it is, right? The Amazon self-publishing. So those other two components that you mentioned, that's definitely you know, two things that people can go about if they want to, you know, publish their book. And I, I, because I follow you, I know that you focus on some solid topics. So you're also a motivational speaker. Are these the same topics that you use or how do you go about picking topics when you go out to speak? So I'm a ontological speaker. Okay. So motivational speaker. Yeah. That's just for the person who, you know, doesn't really know what I do. Okay. But ontology means being, which means to get people to be something. And so I can speak on any topic. So when I reach out to event planners, I find out what the event's about. And I reverse engineer my speech to match the result that they want for their audience and an ontological method. And so I can really speak on anything. I'll say motivational, performance speaker, to give it a term. But really, um, knowing how to coach, knowing mindset, knowing this voter process, I can show somebody how to do what they do at a world-class level, even if I'm not in that genre or in that field. This man is versatile. So if you was an NBA player, you could go left and right. You yep. could go from the inside, outside. You know, this man covers all bases. Mm-hmm. Now, um, mental performance coach. Yep. This is the title that I'm not really familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, you know, uh, I wanted you to go ahead and drop some dimes on that because mm-hmm. I don't really know what that's about, but it sounds intense. Mm-hmm. So I'll give an analogy of like training and working out. That analogy is we're actually 10 times stronger than we think we are. And when we work out, all we're doing is putting stress on the body, letting the brain know we're safe to release more strength. Because that strength was there, but the brain just doesn't release it because it doesn't want to hurt itself. The strength was already there. Okay? So really, it's always was mental. So if you can open that up mentally in an instant and and learn to think about your thinking, you know, you can work out for six months and improve. But you can also make your brain better and improve at the speed of thought. So some people can get great and a couple hour sessions working and making sort of distinctions. Like I worked with the NBA player, Alan Crabb. Okay. Um, his trainer found my first book was like, yo, can you do this stuff with athletes too? I said, of course. They flew me out to Oregon. He was at Portland, the trailblazers at the time. Uh, we sat in this office. We did uh, one session and um, not to put his business out there, but he 
just turned into a monster. We had a dope session and he started balling. Yeah, he still had his ups and downs as a player, but he started playing his game like he knew he could. And the next year, he was like third in the league in field goal percentage, shooting threes, uh, three-point field goal percentage. And whoever was second, it's only because they shot like two or three of them or something like that. But he's a sniper. He has He's at Atlanta now. And the truth is everybody's an athlete. It's just what type of athlete are you? A mommy athlete, a comedian athlete, a book writing athlete. We all want performance because we want to do what we do at a high level. And if you can do it at a high level, you don't have to spend so much time on it. You could just go in like I do for 12 hours, write the goddamn book and get it done. It's just high performing. And I'm glad you mentioned that with the mental um, the mental component because, you know, with stand-up comedy, you need to be mentally strong. Super. And uh, I'll try to use an analogy like, Say you have a say you have a good night and you kill a night. That's like putting up like a you know 50, 60 point game. So you know, definitely having that confidence mentally that can you know correlate with the stand up or acting or whatever type of art it is. So mm-hmm. you know, now that I know more about it, you know, <laughs> I think we'll have to talk more about that on the side. Yeah. But you did mention an athlete, which is going to be my next question. Mm-hmm. Um, do you focus primarily on athletes, or the, those that was just the first uh, genre that you got a hold of? Yeah, um, in business, you do want to focus on like a niche. So yeah, that's my niche, but I could do it with anyone. Um, I love basketball, so and I love sports, so I would rather work with athletes. And plus, when you uh, I did this exercise with my mentor called the Freedom Multiplier, where you decide how much you want to make. And being that I want to make uh, ninety grand a month, <laughs> a- only only athletes can afford to. You know what I'm saying? So, what if I work with Sarah, a regular person, she might do hundred dollar sessions, or maybe I'd pay a thousand a month or whatever. But an NBA player can play ten racks a month. For the same thing, but he's going to get a more of an ROI. Because if I can get an NBA player making 700000 to ball, and then he gets a $10, 15 20 $30 million contract, what's the ROI on ten grand a month? That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. So I do see why <laughs> I do see why you got to them first. Now, now what type of advice uh, would they come to you about, you know? I mean, not to, you know... Yeah put their business out there, but what would you say would be the arena in which they come to you about? The top two. So first is woman. Woman. Girls, bro. <laughs> like, like I don't think women understand. Dudes are really the hopeless romantics. Like, we really want a solid girl, and I know we make mistakes. We do what we do. We're stupid. We cheat. We do all that stuff. But they always ask me about girls because girls have... Um, um, so just diving into the mind real quick. We don't got to get too much into it. But okay. When a dude has a girl and he's fighting with his girl or whatever, he loves his girl, it always goes back to his adolescence. So when he sees a girl, he sees something in her that he saw in his mom and why he loves his mom. So when he's looking at you, he really sees in his subconscious his mom. And so this is why dudes are the hopeless romantics because it's like mama's boy type thing. You know what I'm saying? 
So they always ask me about girls. Should I have this girl around? Yo, like, I can't focus on the court because, <laughs> because of this girl. Like, my high school athletes be asking me, like, Roy, this girl, bro, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I have to teach them a lot of stuff. You know, I have them read that book that I told you to read, yeah, The just... Rational Male. Um, and just understanding, like, be patient. Because the thing about us dudes is we have time. We, we have yeah. time. And then the second thing is confidence. <laughs> I want to have ultimate confidence. Uh, um, The athlete that gets paid the most is the athlete that's the most confidence, period. The athlete that has the most certainty in his own game. There's athletes out there that are way better than your favorite athlete, but they're not playing Mm -hmm. how they could just because they don't have the confidence. They don't have the certainty. Uh, Their coach is shitting on them. There's so many different variables that really matters in this stuff. Um, just to touch back on, on Allen, yo, Duke a ball. He's a sniper. He's long, athletic. He's quick. He heals. I gotta check him out. Huh? <laughs> he's a monster, yeah. bro. And like, um, you know, he does his thing. But if he had an opportunity from a coach to do a little more, he would. And I'm so I'm excited about this year in Atlanta for him. Um. You know, one of his goals, I could say this was to, was he said he thinks he could average 20. And this year, I feel like he's probably going to average 16 to 18, like no doubt, because he's going to have a younger crew that he's going to help motivate and mold and do his thing. But if you don't have the opportunity to do your thing, but but if you don't get that opportunity, (laughs) and that's where communication and persuasion, and I teach that too, comes into effect. Definitely, definitely. That's good. Now, me, I know you personally. Mm-hmm. You've also added TED Talk to your portfolio. Yes, sir. That's that's a big thing for me because, you know, TED Talks, when I watch them on YouTube, you know, I'm always gaining new knowledge no matter what field it is. But I don't think a lot of people know how to pitch to TED Talk, how to get on that stage, what city they want to, you know, perform at. So how did you go about that? So one thing about, I learned about being a speaker is people think that people just reach out to you to speak. Like you build your name and then people start reaching out to you. Like, no, you have to do outreach. You have to go communicate. You have to go persuade these people and create your own opportunity. And so what I did was, is I went to the, I went to the uh, TED website and I looked at all the TED talks that were near me and I, they have the event planner on there. Okay. I clicked on them, got their emails and will reach out. Hey, da, 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 da. Um, and the thing about TED talks. So when I reach out for an event to speak, my name now, cause I did a TED talk has that clout. So it's like best-selling author, TED talk speaker. And then they reach back. But back then I didn't have that. And what's cool about TED is they don't care about who you are. They care about the idea. Your idea has to fit their theme. Okay. So I would go do some homework. And the one I did, the theme was your environment, your circumstances doesn't create your success. And it was in Watts. And, you know, in that area, they really want to teach, like, this environment isn't going to stop you. And so I just reached out and said, hey... Um, Justin, his name was Justin Mayo. I said, hey, I have a talk that I do. And I didn't have a talk yet, but I said, I have a talk 
that totally fits your theme. It's using mindset and performance to overcome your environment and not let the environment dictate your circumstances and your results. Nice. And he goes, oh, that fits our theme. And he hit me back. And um, um, also what's cool with a TED Talk is they always got big names on there. So I end up meeting like William Hung, one of the CEOs of Adidas, uh, Jalil White spoke before me. That's dope. And so... I was able to meet those people, and one thing that's big in brand building is uh, celebrity attachment. So I was able to attach myself and borrow their audiences as well. That's dope. That's dope. Now you said it has to fit into it has to fit into their room. Yeah. So can you really do a TED talk? Like if I wanted to do about cheesecake, mm-hmm. are they gonna deny me or <laughs> like what is it? What exactly are they looking for? As so. A, a famous comedian just did a TED Talk. Schultz. I watched it, yeah. That was that dope. Guy, yeah. Um, at, He's real, he's smarter than, he's smart dude. Yeah. He is smart dude. But let's say um, you can always put something together um, with your co- comedy and just fit it into their, their ideas. So you can look up, um, let's say you find TEDx Syracuse or something like that. And their theme is... Uh, woman gender pronouns okay you can be like yo I have a talk uh, from a comedian's point of view on um, how you can be funny but not be disrespectful to gender pronouns or something like that and then you don't have that talk yet but you could put that together they gonna give you two three months you just figure out how you can position yourself um, also fit their idea, intertwine those, and still be funny. You know what I'm saying? And how long would they give you? They give you... So one thing about speaking gigs is they're always far out. Okay. So if I get booked for a speech today, usually that speech won't be for four to six months from today. Wow. So that's the one thing about the speech. You do have to be patient and reaching out. And um, usually if... That, like. I just got one from Germany and Amsterdam that wants me to go in November, but it's too fast. But I told her it's too fast, but if you bring that bag, I'll find a way over there. I was like, well, because of the timing so issue find a way over there. And, my, and these dates, I would need to have at least five to $10,000 and per diem, and you have to fly me out there with hotel. You know what I mean? I so, feel you. They got to come with the whole package. Facts. Now, Roy, you're doing a lot. Yeah. You know, you're writing, you're doing TED Talks, you're mm-hmm. speaking, you're giving advice to some high-profile people. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you haven't done yet that you can talk about that you still want to do on a business level? Oh, man, I'm about to drop some value. All right, so mm, the way to really get rich and build generational wealth is, you know, people talk about buying flipping houses. So the real key to get that money money is to buy flip and own businesses okay and what a lot of people don't know is you can buy people's businesses with zero down and so if the numbers are right um and my mentor has been teaching me this and so right now what i've been working on is using my speaking my books and all of that as a positioning tool and i've been building a team and i want to uh, in the next three to six months, buy a business that's doing at least 
one to three million in EBITDA, and EBITDA just means uh, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and, and amortization. And so, let's say uh, Martha, who's sixty-five, wants to retire, doesn't have no kids, and she's ready to sell her business. Her business does one point five million a year in the medical field. I could buy her business for five million to six million. Um, and the bank will fund me because she's doing 1.5. The numbers are there. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? I don't even need credit for that because I go and say, these are the numbers that the business is doing. And the bank funds me. I go buy it. Maybe I'll use a little bit of her funding as well. And my payments might be 500000 a year for five to 10 years, whatever that is. And I'll instantly be a millionaire because even though my bills are five hundred thousand, I'm still making that million because she's grossing one point five. Nice. Yeah. Nice. This man has that. Yeah. That's <laughs> the new. Out. That's yeah. the new shit I'm on. Real talk. Okay. Now you know we've covered a lot. I definitely you know hope that you know you're able to reach more clients. Whatever you have in your mind. But um, mm-hmm. what's your social media on all platforms? Anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to get out? Um, so, uh, YouTube, just Roy Red, uh, go check out the Ted talk, share it, please. Instagram, Roy, R-O-Y underscore Red, R-E-D-D. Uh, you go to RoyRed.com. I have free stuff on there. Um, if you go to my Instagram and click the link in my bio, I have a free masterclass teaching persuasion, teaching how to be confident. Um, it's for athletes but i still do it for regular people too as well just reach out dm me i'll see you some free stuff free books and free coaching calls and if anybody needs help writing a book speaking doing a ted talk brand building any of that stuff just reach out to me and i got you and you want to mention your podcast that i'm gonna come and hop on as well yes sir so i got the podcast it's called the success code um, and we just had some dope people on there. I have a episode I call my guarantee plan to a hundred million that did like thirty five hundred listens. It's just like literally uh, laying out my plan that my mentor showed me how to make a hundred million. We've had William Hong on there. We're gonna have Fred on there. Um, I'm gonna try to get April Jones on there. Just some dope people on there. So uh, make sure y'all add and subscribe that the Success Code podcast. I'm looking forward to hear it and being on it. Roy, I want to thank you for hopping on this episode. You know, we're definitely, you know, going to work together. I'm definitely going to get more gems from you. This is Roy Red. It's real serious. <laughs>